0: And we are back. Thank you so much for sticking with us. And uh, as always, this is my favorite part of the show, interview time. And in times like these, it always helps to have a good team around you. And uh, as always, right? And I'm fortunate enough to have a guy on my team that I think is considerably smarter than I am. And And hopefully... He can, uh, he can shed some light on what's happening, what's going on, and uh, big news, we're recording that this on Wednesday, so we have the Fed announcement today, but talk about the impacts of further hikes and uh, the state of the markets. I can't think of anybody better than my partner, Mr. Marcos Bueno. Marcos, thanks for joining us again today, man. Good to have you with us. Thanks to you, Zach. You <laughs> know, it's always a pleasure to be here. <clears throat> well, I'm sure it's
1: not always, but... Uh... <laughs> so far, okay, let's, it, let's put it this way.
0: It has always been a pleasure so far. Okay, so far. There you go. There you go. Leave, leave, leave in space for the unknown, right? Um, anyway, so so um, I, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to go out on a limb and do that a little bit right now. I, I would assume, like me, we're sitting here after the close on uh, on Wednesday especially in lieu of the data that we've seen coming out over the past two to four weeks. I thought the Fed delivered exactly what they said they were going to and what I actually anticipated them delivering. Uh, Once again, I am not surprised to see the market reaction. I'm I'm a little surprised just because it seems like every time the markets or or the Fed's hiked that there's been kind of this inexplicable, ebullient rally, at least – you know, the day of, maybe it lasted a day or two or whatever. Um, so I'm kind of sitting here thinking, okay, this this is par for the course as far as I'm concerned. How about you? Would, it, would you agree with that assessment that, that we got what we thought we were going to get and it didn't – did it surprise you? Anything about the Fed announcement that caught your ear at all? Um,
1: there's one thing. I think that the fact that we, they raised 75 basis points – Uh, That was widely expected. I think that wasn't a surprise. Um, They said in the statement that um, they're going to take into consideration the lag of the monetary policy because obviously it's not immediate. It takes between nine and 12 months and sort of like the incoming data. And the market rallied on that, which is, that was surprising to begin with because um, that shouldn't be a surprise. That should be what the Fed always does and the fact that the market took that as a positive thing um it's a bad thing in the sense that the market doesn't have a lot of confidence in the competence of the fed like the fed saying that they're gonna take all those things into consideration shouldn't be news to the market but it's news because uh oh all right so it's just they didn't trust them to begin with the market Well, Um, and and that got all undone during the press conference of uh, Chairman Powell, because I think that's the the biggest surprise is that he seems determined to keep going until something cracks. Well, and and, And I think that was scaring people out. Well, and it should.
0: I mean, right. Yeah.
1: And and I made this comment is like, uh, if you want to have a soft landing, you need to feather before you touch the ground right
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: but i call it captain powell seems determined to crash the plane before adjusting and i think that
0: that if you're if you're a passenger that's scary i i agree with you but there is something interesting that i'm thinking about and it harkens back to conversations that you and i have had <clears throat> you know well before this year um, you know going back conversations i've had with other guests a lot of other people have had this Marcos, I think one of the things that I'm concerned about now, this will sound tongue. Well, people that do this for a living, I think they'll know exactly what I mean. But for the retail folks and clients and prospective clients uh, that are listening to this, I think it'll sound a little bit weird. Um, I'm a bit surprised that this is unravelling so much like I thought it would and, and so much like other people thought it would, where I'm watching the Fed right now and The reason I say I'm surprised it unrolls like I thought it would is, and I'm sure you can, I'm sure you can sympathize with this viewpoint. So rarely in investing does it play out exactly like you think, you know, sometimes it's better than you think. Right. Sometimes it's worse than you think. It's almost always a little different than what you think it's going to be. Yeah. And going into this, my long term thought was when inflation finally shows up, I think it'll be more persistent than people are expecting. And I think that the Fed will have to will be presented with a scenario where to raise enough to stomp out inflation will be. Uh, um even more harmful to the underlying economy than they're comfortable with. And they're going to be stuck between a rock and a hard place, which is we need to decide whether or not what part of the mandate we're willing to let slip a bit. Meaning if we keep full employment, inflation's going to run too hot. If we get inflation completely where we want it to back around the 2% level, I'm really starting to believe to get inflation to that level, you're going to have to have a much higher unemployment rate than the Fed wants. So I'm a little bit surprised and and I'm not going to I'm not going to make any bones about it. I'm also a little unnerved that we've ended up in this situation where it very much seems to me at least the setup is this at this point where they're going to have to decide. Which mandate are we going to – which mandate's more important? Is it more important to get inflation where we think it should be or is it more important to have unemployment? Um, because from my perspective, right, I'm of the belief and – and feel free to disagree as always. I'm of the belief that I, I think if we're talking out over the next 12 to 16 months, I don't think they need to raise more. I think if they hold rates here for the next 12 to 16 months, it would be disastrous for the underlying economy. So I think in the not too distant future, they're going to have to make a choice that I, I don't think that Fed is prepared to deal with the fallout of what the policy required from them to get inflation to their levels, I think, is going to be too damaging. And I think they're going to end up having to accept a higher than desirable inflation rate. You know into the foreseeable future do where do you disagree? Where do you think I'm wrong? Do you uh, disagree? Give it to me I, I don't know if you're wrong or not Well, I don't I tell either. you in a year
1: um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I Not I have a different scenario in mind Um, I don't have a lot of trust in the Fed. I think that they are A bit of a headless, headless chicken and yeah. I think that they are not doing a very good job at anticipating the impact of their policies. In the same way that for the longest time, they said inflation is not a problem. Even even when inflation was picking up, the whole message was this is transitory. We don't have to do anything. And then it was like – oh my god moment later and then they have to rush right and now i think they're they're doing the same mistake in the opposite direction in which they're gonna say no this is this is not gonna change we're gonna keep racing 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 and then one day it's like things are in shambles and inflation is not there and unemployment is higher like people are doing badly and say oh shit now we overdid it right so it's like Mm -hmm. i I see them a little bit like the baseball hitter that only starts swinging once the ball is in front of him
0: it's too late yeah no, and and I think this and I think this particular situation shows that weakness of theirs, probably in brighter lights than any other, at least in my career, any other time. Right? Like the like you said, they're reply they're they're responding to data, and all the data they're responding to is already three you know a quarter old essentially, right? Um, yeah, I yeah, they
1: should be talking about the market, to the market about what they think is going to happen. Uh. Twelve, eighteen months from now, and then acting on that, not on acting on the data they they have seen since, since the last meeting. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous thing to say. Well, uh, it's like I I I get it. That's the data that you have, but that's not what the job is. It's like okay, you should be to- talking about okay, we have we have done this, and this is gonna the impact is gonna have, and then uh what happened whatever happened in the last month happened. We're looking forward, not backwards. Yeah. Um so that's why I don't have a lot of confidence in the Fed and I think that actually uh they may raise a little bit too much. I think they uh because of that. Um I mean how high can the rates we are at four, right? It's like can we go to four and a half? Yeah, can we go to five? Yeah. But that more than that I mean can we go to 6 yeah maybe we can go to 6 a year from now that's 25 basis points a month right so call it 50 50 then 25 and flat i mean that that they cannot raise much more than this cuz uh, but the problem is that they may and then if they do that then they will not have a problem the the uh i uh, thought so, i don't know <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no it's i it's, wish it's, i, I there is already a bad sign, and we've seen it this year. Fed
0: days are super volatile days. Yeah, <laughs> it should not be the case. No, no, market major indexes should not be swinging in 500 basis point ranges, right? intra session on a Fed day. But should, but but, def- but 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 honestly, Marcos, though that, that volatility, I think, is one of the things that's holding their hand to the fire. Meaning, they, they, they've got to beat out. The the you know I think one of the things they've got to do is they've got to beat back completely ridiculous expectations of market participants, you know what I mean? I you know I mean I don't they never really admitted that invoiced this, but watching markets do what they did over the last two years that is horrifically unhealthy, right? You know, it, it just taking off the way they did, crypto going absolutely berserk. Don't you think part of it is the to to, to, The greatest thing is their own fault. Well, right,
1: right. Well, because they 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 keep they keep interest rates too low for too
0: long. So, so this brings up the next question, and this this was one of the deepest things, or this is this is one of the biggest things that I want to dig into, and this is something that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about. I believe that their entire framework is wrong, and I and I'll explain what I mean. I don't think that I'm smarter than they are. I'm not saying that. So people are like, oh, you didn't go to. Yeah, academically, there's no question that these people, quote unquote, know more than I do about textbook economics. I I, I would not argue that. But when I think about a system like ours and I think about having extraordinary. uh, Right. This is the Fed's words, not mine. Extraordinary monetary policy lasting 15 years. Um, It seems to me only reasonable to assume that you can't do anything in an extraordinary fashion for 15 years, meaning the market begins to bake that in. The economy begins to bake that in. CEOs begin to bake those rates into their long term projections. Right. Uh, uh, Financing begins to bake that in. Carry trades begin to bake that in. And. I think that the Fed is sophomoric and incredibly naive when it comes to their one-for-one look at the way they look at things. Well, if we raise interest rates this much, this will mean a reduction in GDP by these many percentage points. I would make the argument that it doesn't work that way. And I would make the argument that the longer the extraordinary monetary policy lasts – the more sensitive the system becomes to even smaller rates, rate raises. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, do you agree like, with that? Okay. There are a few things I, would, I, would, I want to say. Um,
1: one is what you said at the beginning about the PhD education, like books and stuff. Um, if you think about it, basketball is all about physics, Right. Yeah, like you throw the ball, uh, put it. so it's physics. Do you think LeBron knows anything? LeBron James knows anything about physics? No, no. Uh, so this is the same. I mean, you can have all the physics PhD that you want and understand how basketball works. That doesn't make you a good basketball player. Yeah. So the Fed is
0: kind of the same. They know everything about it. That doesn't mean they're any good at it. There's probably actually a lot of evidence to suggest there's a high, there, 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 very a lot of inverse correlation there, probably. Yeah, because I think, uh, and uh, and then that
1: is in the case of physics. In the case of economics, economics is a pseudoscience, the way people think about it. Because economics, they wrap it around this scientific, um, how to put dress, right? The dress shroud. It physics, in fact, shroud, yeah. So, but but in reality, is the study of people and psychology more than anything, there is no, in, in economics, there is no r- loss of economics, right? Yeah. There are very few. There are, like, uh, and even then, some of them are broken. Like, um, so it is a very tenuous link between what they think will happen and what actually happens, right? What the book says is one thing. What happens in reality is a different thing. So not only uh, they don't really have a lot of, They don't appear to have a lot of like common sense, uh, street smarts. (laughs) (laughs) Their theories may be flawed. My my theory, their their theories may be flawed to begin with. Like economics is not mechanical, because it's because it's people. It's people reacting to to economic incentives, and they're way more than we think. And and correction. They react to their incentives. Not all of them are economic. Right, right, right. Uh, so I think that that's one, one problem. So, and then there is another problem, uh, which is that the Federal Reserve and Jerome Powell and all the policymakers and central banks in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., uh, a big impact on their decisions is their own personal incentives, whatever that might be. Yeah. Uh, for example, to just a very clear example, Mario Draghi, who was the president of the European Central Bank, Italian, um, I was convinced, and I think I was proven right, that he will never let Italy go because he was Italian.
0: Yeah. So
1: yeah. he could not possibly let his own country down. He would do whatever it takes, and he did, to save Italy. If the ECB president had been German, it would have been a different story. <laughs> so. No, but I'm serious. About no, I'm yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Yeah. No, so, I'm with you. So what, what are the personal incentives of Jerome Powell, right? <clears throat> and and I, don't, I don't see it as clearly as with Draghi, for example, but I'm sure they are, there are some. And, and he reacts to that. And we're all affected. So, I mean, it just, I, I, I'm just not a big fan of the current Fed. Uh, I just think they're, um, for lack of a better word, there's winging it. And that's not good no and, a, and an example is this volatility during fed days. It just shouldn 't be the case if if the If the market had any confidence in the competence of the Fed, we will have a regular normal day right like because people will have understood what the Fed would do, and the Fed would do that right, Yep. but the fact that we don 't know it's just it 's a problem
0: well they, they, there's also and we we've, we've again i 'm not the first guy to bring this up but <clears throat> And I'm sure you and I have talked about it, too. To me, one of the things that they're also fighting right now is, you know, the boy that cried wolf problem. Right. Like now may not be a complete one for one match, but the Fed. You know, again, I'll go back to my original statement of, in my opinion, I think we should have been off the zero bound. No, I'm not saying high. I mean, when you go back and look at inflation rates and employment rates and everything, it didn't justify big moves. But I think we should have been off the zero bound as early as 2012, 2013. Yeah, and, I agree with that. And, and you let this go for so long. And every time you even toyed with the idea, all the S&P had to do was pull back 15 or 20 percent from the high. And you reversed and you reversed and you were you have in a you p- in a Pavlovian manner. You trained these markets that dropping stock prices even when even when the economic underlying data was not showing an issue right they called the fed's bluff so many times and now when they actually need to be tough the market isn't believing them and and i think it goes to your your assertion about a lack of credibility of of people not believing the fed and you know every time the fed talked tough for 15 years it ended up being a bluff right yes
1: it was because uh, they were long the market they yeah. had investments their 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 whole attitude changed when they were
0: forbidden from trading stocks do you think that do you really think that's impacted them uh, for sure I mean it sure seems like that i you hate to bring it up because it it makes you sound like a conspiracy. it makes you know it, it kind of it's kind of reminiscent of all the talk about the plunge protection team, but um it really ris- <laughs> It is kind of interesting to see that as the as the sh- the the veil got pulled back and people realized that they were back there just burning up their E-Trade accounts. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a conspiracy. I just think it's just a natural
1: human human nature. Just a draggy and Italy. It's just I don't think he would be ever considering he will do whatever he could. Yeah, but not as a conspiracy. Just because he's Italian. Uh, so that 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 's how we f- he he probably felt inside was the right thing to do when you are you have million dollars of millions of dollars of stock market exposure uh i don 't think there is like a cabal getting together in a dark room uh with a, a secret door saying oh he's going to do this it's just, basically they will all naturally feel that that was the right thing to do and and they will feel like that because guess what. <laughs> Uh, that would create less pain for themselves. Uh, so it's not I don't see it as a conspiracy that people were doing that it's just basically before because of the incentive that they had that's how they saw the world.
0: Yeah. So <clears throat> let
1: let's look now, when at- that, when that incentive is gone it's sort of like they see the world with a different color lens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wh- which um y- you know I knew about the deal in Congress where, you know, I learned, I learned about that actually back in 08, 09. And I, I remember, I remember, I remember the day well, when I, when I realized this was the case and I was horrified that it was not considered insider trading for members of Congress uh, to trade on uh, confidential, uh, you know, reports, confidential information. So let's, you know, they go into a closed meeting uh and they get news that several banks are going to collapse and that news is in public material they can it is not against the law for them to leave that meeting call their stockbroker, and make a trade um what i was shocked by and i'll admit my own ignorance here i i had no idea that federal reserve members were allowed to trade their own accounts i thought i thought that I I just figured those guys had to put their stuff in a blind trust, and and I think back to the days. I think Bernanke and Greenspan and, and the guys before them did stuff like that. I I remember reading, and I'm no fan, I'm no I'm, I'm no fanboy of Bernanke, but I remember reading that when he came into office, the only things that he owned at that point were annuities and some ETFs. Uh, okay, you know why there were no rules?
1: Why? Because historically, Fed officials had been honorable and thought that that would be a bad thing right, to do, and right. that would bias their own opinions. <laughs> so they did it. They did it because it was the right thing to do, not because there were any rules about it.
0: Right, right. Well, yeah, that's clearly the case. And, it's- uh, and then
1: some other people thought differently, and then guess what? It biases. It biases their decisions.
0: Yeah. So. Moving back, one of the things that I keep thinking about, and you know, on the bullish side, if you can make a, a bullish argument, I, I really don't see a lot of room there for one. Um okay, I have, I, I can, I can present the bullish. Can okay, okay, again? I, I want to hear that. I want to hear that. Um, but when I look at this interest rate environment, I, I really, honestly feel at this point that the only. And, and 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 again, feel feel free to disagree. I feel like the only really bullish thing on the horizon is a potential pet Fed pivot. Um, when, when I look at the economy and I look at the impacts it's having on real estate, just real estate alone is twenty percent of our economic output. Okay, so it, and and you look at the amount of debt in. Shoot, look at the explosion of debt just in private equity markets. Look at these people having to roll these debt into higher. I it, I, I got to be honest with you. If I if the Fed sticks to these rates at all, how is it? Can you run? If I mean again, if if let's say we're taking the potential of a, of a, of a massive pivot off the table at some point in the next twelve months. Let's say for some reason they can't do that. But just looking at the current rates. I'm of the belief that if they just held rates here, never mind raising them anymore. If they just held rates here for the next 12 to 16 months, I think you'd have fires all over the place. Do you agree with that assessment? And is there any light at the end of the tunnel economically? And look, I'm not saying it's doomsday. I'm just saying personally for I'm sitting today, the recession, non-recession debate is, in my opinion, a joke. Um, I think at this question, again, barring a complete reversal on the Fed, I don't think it's about is there I think about is how deep and how long is the recession going to last. So first, do you see, like you said, you've got a bullish argument would love to hear it. Um, but also just economically speaking. Haven't they already gone too far? I, I just, I am not of the belief, you know, and part of me is using the Fed's words against them, right? It's not about how how high rates go. It's about over what time they go that high. When you look at how high they've pushed rates and how fast, we got a higher Fed funds rate than I think we did entering the, the great financial crisis right now. I think we're at like three and a half or something like that. Anyway, I think I, I, I could be wrong on that, but if not, we're really close. Um, and they've done it in 14 months. I, how does that not blow stuff up? Um,
1: well, something things may blow up, but let me give you a few scenarios in which things may know, in which asset prices may go up instead of down. The first one is the one that I was talking about: is that the Fed hasn't, in my opinion, it's been losing credibility. Yes. Uh, I think people still fear the Fed. Obviously, it's the the largest and most powerful central bank, so what they do matters a lot. Uh, But that doesn't mean, so people are fearful of the Fed. That doesn't mean they respect or have credibility, or that the Fed has credibility. Anyway, when when you have a central bank that is kind of losing control, where people don't trust the central bank anymore, uh, it's not always bad for risk assets. It's bad for the currency, it's bad for the value of the money. Uh, people lose trust in their in the currency, basically. And that typically makes asset prices go up because people don't want the money. They want the assets. And it has happened in Argentina, in Venezuela, in Zimbabwe, in Turkey. In South Africa, in like all these basket cases of a country, where the central bank is, so these are a bit extreme, but it's just to, point, to prove the point that when the central banks are out of control, when the economies are out of control, when everything is really bad, you look at the stock markets in local currency of those countries, and they go through the roof.
0: Well, yeah, but the, the, uh, but, but it's also because the currency is collapsing as well.
1: Yeah whatever the reason is that what I mean, my point is that that doesn't mean the equity market is going to go down now uh standards of life will probably go down uh people are not going to be better off but if you're let's say short or on puts you know you may actually get blown out of the water oh yeah yeah i, I that, that's and that may, in in those cases <laughs> typically the equity market is this is one of the safest places to be in because anything else is, is less good.
0: Yeah, is no, I, I, can, I, I can get there. It's just really hard for me to envision that scenario playing out with the DXY over 110 and with Treasury. Now, if you get some blood in the streets and you get the yield on the 10-year back to 2% or sub 2%, whether it's no, In that scenario, yields don't go down.
1: Yields can actually keep going higher.
0: Well, yeah, but but again, they, but but that's a scenario that I, I think we're talking about two different kinds of inflation. I mean, they, they, what, what you're talking about happens when the currency is in free fall.
1: Yeah, exactly. So but, that we have seen it. We have seen it in other places, but it, it may happen in the U.S.
0: Well, eventually it will, right? I mean, we, the U.S. will go the way that every fiat currency in history has gone. Yeah, and right now people have been sort of like
1: hiding in the dollar, and that's been uh, sort of like supporting the dollar um, in some ways, putting pressure down on US asset prices, because because for foreigners, uh, those US assets are more expensive, so they they can afford less of it. Um, But I think we have reached the point right now that that may have gone a little bit too far. And when I compare the cost of living or uh, the the competitiveness of non US countries versus the US now is very high. I think investment will may potentially start stopping in the US and and the dollar will weaken and maybe not necessarily against other currencies because they're also not great places to be in, but against the real assets right so the dollar depreciates against, every, against the assets and then assets go <laughs> assets look like they're going higher they're going higher in dollar numbers maybe they're worth the same in real terms or maybe less but because the currency is worth less and less the assets denominated denominated in dollars are worth more and more and this is what happens in all these countries that i I talked to you about yeah. Argentina, Venezuela, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Turkey, and like all emerging market emerging mar emerging markets behave like that. Um, they're also really volatile. Yeah, they're really <laughs> volatile. But, but but what I mean is that the the S and P could actually go higher when things get worse. Yeah, That's well, a bit counterintuitive, but it's possible. Now I don't think this is very likely. Not in the short term, I don't think it's likely. No, not right now. Okay, what I think is more likely is that um, actually interest rates where we are, where they are, may actually be healthy for the economy in the medium to long term. For the same reason why uh, low interest rates were bad. Interest rates are like weed killer for a lawn. Yep. Interest rate for the economy, like weed killer for a lawn. If you don't use wheat killer in your lawn, it will be overtaken by weeds. And the good grasses will die. And this is what happened with low interest rates. Low interest rates made capital too cheap. And basically, projects that didn't have a right to exist under any other scenario existed. And there were low productivity, value-destroying, projects, right, like companies. And basically, that sucked out a lot of capital, and that created somehow kind of unfair, quote-unquote, unfair competition on legit businesses, right? So we had all these money-losing businesses that were sucking out capital, and because they were being subsidized by shareholders, they were taking away uh, the profits from legitimately value-added business because capital was too cheap. Basically, those, those were the weeds. Now, when capital is more expensive, um, only the real good projects survive, and they are properly capitalized, they don't have unfair competition, that allows small, small entrepreneurs to, uh, to thrive, because typically, uh, smaller companies, even though interest rates were very low, the access to capital was not that great. Now, when interest rates go higher, it's a more level playing field for everybody including the smaller companies, right? Small businesses can thrive now. Like, for example, if you if you have a local taxi company, you could not compete with Uber, right? Because Uber was operating below cost because yeah. they were subsidized by shareholders. They were losing yeah. money, a um, money-losing company. So basically, if you, if you had a company with 10 cabs, you couldn't compete. Because you, you you could not afford to lose money. But yeah, any, could. Any, any,
0: any efficiency advantage you had as a smaller, more nimble operator was swamped out by their unending access to, to virtually free capital.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But now that that is gone, so places like Uber will have to raise prices, and they actually have been doing it, um, because they no longer have free money. They have to compete on the merits of the business. Uh, so that gives people an opportunity to actually create a business and support their families, right? So I think that if you if you extend that not just Uber but across the whole economy, I think a lot of mom and pops businesses, smaller businesses, medium, small and medium enterprises, they will do much better under this scenario than before, and I think that's generally good. Uh, a lot of the capi- the human capital that was in the same way that unfair um, competition was harming small businesses, a lot of human capital was tied up on these like value-destroying businesses. Now, a lot of them are getting fired because they're no longer viable. But these people are not stupid, right? They will do something else, and they will figure something out to do well for themselves. And in turn, that will be good for everybody. So actually, that having normalized interest rates, I think, is healthy in the long term. It hurts at the beginning. Uh, but I think it, I think it's a positive development. Um, you mentioned that the Fed should have raised rates in 2012, 2013. I agree with that. I think they did the right thing during the financial crisis. I mean, the patient was dying. You need to you need to do what you need, and sometimes that means using drugs, right? Painkillers, right? But if yep. you if you overdo it, then the patient gets addicted, and it's very hard to get out of it, right? But when you get out of it and you go call Turkey, it hurts. It looks like you're not, you're gonna die when they take you off the painkillers. but in fact, it's good for you, even though at that particular time it looks terrible and I think that that's what we have seen in the last nine months. It's like the patient has been taking off the painkillers because the rates have gone higher, and the the economy was addicted, some people will lose money because they were overlevered. Uh, but overall, I think the cleans will be positive
0: oh, for I, the I, whole economy i i couldn 't agree with you more i mean i I, I think that I think that um,
1: Wait, so i know, think it, it, actually I, I think that we we are getting to the point as long as the fed doesn 't crash the plane, which big question mark um, we could be in a scenario where things get better because rates are better now, people can now retire on four or five percent interest rate. Yeah. Whereas yeah. before they they had to keep working. That if if people have to keep working because they don't they cannot retire, that pushes salaries down for everybody.
0: When when I say when I say back Things I, like that so. yeah I, I no no I could not agree with you. I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean I, I think what they're doing is just way over way overdue. Um, and, and I agree with it And I think it is going to be healthy in the long term But I'm looking out at the next 12 to 16 months And what I'm saying is that I cannot see a way uh, Now, through the next 12 to 16 months is the window I'm talking about When I look out of the next 12 to 16 months I I think that Raising rates is sort of like planting seeds I just don't think You're going to look out in the next 12 to 16 months And see a vibrant crop Um, I think those seeds are going to take longer to longer to take root uh, longer. When I look out over the next 12 to 16 months, I'm having a very, very, very hard time seeing a picture in which earnings are improving. Unemployment is somewhere still around these levels where there isn't significant economic pain. Um,
1: I can give you two more bullish arguments if you want.
0: Okay. yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear. Uh, Look, uh, first of all, I don't know
1: what's going to happen. I understand the bearish case. Uh, I am just showing you what could happen. That is not that. That a lot of a, a lot of people are looking down. Not that many people are looking up. Um, two more, two more cases, two more um, reasons. I think that if the Republicans take the House and/or the Senate, and we have a Democrat president. It's going to be very, very hard to do any sort of fiscal stimulus for the next couple of years. Yeah. That is going to tame inflation. Yep. Because I think that even though people have been talking a lot about the impact of interest rates on inflation, inflation didn't really kick up until COVID, post COVID, when basically the government, not the central bank, injected. Untold amounts of money into people's pockets directly, right? The stimulus checks were like free money. Yep. Um, I think that if we have a split government, Republican Congress, Democratic president, that's not going to happen. It will, and and that can stabilize inflation significantly, and maybe maybe that's why the market has been reacting positively as the republicans look likely to take the house and the senate
0: well and <clears throat> in, in historically speaking i mean that that's backed up in the data i mean yeah and, grid, and gridlock, when you look yeah. grid, gridlock, gridlock one party in white house one party in the power has always tended to be positive for exactly. asset prices exactly so
1: that's one argument now it's tied up to the second argument is that if inflation for whatever reason stabilizes and you, you know we can go – inflation is not speed. Inflation is acceleration, right? Right. So when you – you can go from accelerating to nothing in – from one month to the next. I mean, there's no reason to think that there's inertia there. It's like if prices stabilize, mathematically inflation will go to zero. I mean, I don't think it's, it happens like that, but we can go from eight to four very quickly. Um, If let's say we go back to 4% inflation with 4% rates, uh, I think multiples will expand because the market will no longer have a lot of uncertainty about what's next. And I think the fact that we have a lot of uncertainty because of what we were saying about the Fed is compressing multiples. If that uncertainty somehow lifts because inflation is flattening, and then we have a bit more confidence on what is next. Multiples will expand, but they will expand on a amount of money or a monetary base that is probably 50 percent higher than it was two years ago because of all the stimulus that we talked about. Basically, there is a lot more money in the system that the government put in peop- people's pockets. And if we get we have this uh, notional amount of dollars that is much bigger with multiples that are kind of similar, probably not as high, but kind of similar to what we had pre-COVID we going to have a massive rally in our hands because things stabilize and earnings in notional dollars are so much higher than they were before i mean you look at all all the consumer staples consumer discretionary they have they have raised prices like 20 25% in the last two years i mean i mean you go to costco and you see it right i mean it's not yeah. it's not a secret uh so so that that is a bullish Scenario where things stabilize, but the earnings are so much higher than they were before. So the share prices could be much higher.
0: Why? why do? You, and why, I, I, okay, and that's where you lost me. I, I don't see a scenario where earnings prices are going north in the next 12 months. How, how do you get higher earnings in the next 12 months with this?
1: No, 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 no. Hi, no higher earnings, not higher, er, higher earnings that they were two years, two years ago, not higher earnings in two years than they are now. The earnings are higher now than they were two years ago. Yeah, so if you apply multiples of two years ago to today's earnings, the prices of the shares could
0: be much higher. I mean,
1: I... It, it, that's, that's what I'm trying to explain.
0: Yeah, I just don't see with these higher interest rates how you're not –
1: how. If inflation stabilizes,
0: yeah. Okay, so okay, so I I guess I see what you're saying, but but do do you think it'd be fair to say that the scenario you're laying out that that seems like one hell of a needle threading type scenario? I, I mean, no. The only thing you need is inflation stabilizing. Okay, but, but if inflation stabilizes, I, I don't think the backdrop for earnings are anywhere near as good as they were two years ago. But they're higher now than two years ago. Well, they're higher now because consumer spending is 17% higher than it was two years ago, and it's higher yeah. because of all the stimulus handouts. Yeah, hey, that's my point. Exactly. But, but that consumer spending's coming back down. It was sans stimulus. You know what I mean? Like consumer spending, the reason it's high is because of all the stimulus. That stimulus yeah, is gone. But,
1: no, but the dollars are still around.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you could, have,
1: you, could have, you could have zero growth in consumer spending. And, there, and that number will still be much higher than consumer spending two years ago. Yeah. No, I'm with that's you on one, that. That's, one, that that's, one, that's the only thing I'm saying. So if it, I'm not counting on increased consumer spending, but because the dollar has depreciated in real terms.
0: And wages have gone higher too. To be fair yeah. to your point of so, view, no, right? No, so, so. Yeah, wages so, have gone so
1: higher. So this is this is ties up to the first point that we said is that the currency value is going down. Yeah, yeah, and it's going down because they printed a lot of it. They made up. <laughs> well,
0: but that's the it, it all ties but, up together. But that's the stickiest part right now to me is that where where the DXY is. I mean that that to me is the real. St- no, no, but
1: DXY DXY. I don't think it's a good metric for this because DXY is a comparison of dollars versus other currencies. I'm talking about dollar versus assets.
0: Okay, but what I'm saying is that DXY has a big impact on earnings, Marcos. 40% of overseas revenue or 40% of S&P 500 revenues are from overseas. And the DXY does have a big impact on that. Yes, yes, and we've seen it. Yeah. But I, think,
1: I, think, I, I, I honestly think that's priced in.
0: Oh man! At twenty-one times earnings on the S and P. Look,
1: I, and the reason why it's priced in is because uh, there's a lot of people on Wall Street, and many of them are not dummies. I mean, some of them are dummies, but I mean, this is the people that. I, I'll,
0: Marco, what this you is so green,
1: obvious. Okay, that I, I, it's so obvious that I, I have a hard time believing that people haven't incorporated that that share prices today have not. Incorporated that. I just have a hard time believing that. hard uh, from from a humbly from a from from a and trying to be humble when I look at share prices and I just cannot think that people haven't thought about that. People that are buying or selling, they haven't thought about that. I just
0: I I I, I, I,
1: I must assume that current share prices have incorporated that information already. That's what I'm.
0: <laughs> I, I, I would agree with you in normal times. The problem is when I look back historically, historically for comps. Now, everything is not one for one. I, I obviously thinking like that can get you in a lot of trouble. You, you, you and I you know that better than I do, but you and I both know that. But when I think back to periods of times where you had Fed funds rate where they are, t- 21 times earnings with a 4% Fed funds rate, that's a pretty healthy multiple on the market, man. I mean you go back to the last time the fed funds rate was at this level the peak in 2007 peak of 2007 S&P was we tra- had was trading at 17.4 times earnings I that's a this is not a cheap market
1: right I mean um, I I don't have the exact numbers in front of me so I I I'll, I'll take it's 21 um okay at a, a 4% interest rate what is the PE equivalent of a treasury bond? So you buy a hundred, you buy it for a hundred dollars, and you get paid for it every year, right? Yeah. So that means you you're paying twenty-five times. You're paying twenty-five times. I mean this is not a perfect comparison, but sometimes I think about it it's just like you just you pay for the bond, you're paying twenty-five times what you you what your quote unquote earnings are. Uh to make, it, to make it round numbers, let's call it the S&P 20, right? So, the S&P, you're paying 20 times the earnings. Now, the difference between the bonds and the S&P is that the bonds will only pay you four and no more. They can only no pay you that much, yeah. Whereas well, oh, in an inflationary scenario, what if, if you're paying 20 times for the S&P, that means that the S&P is paying you five, and you have an option I mean, there is a possibility that because inflation is going higher, if margins stay more or less stable, that you will get paid, let's say, five and a half next year and then six and six and a half and seven. So when inflation is high-ish, you can actually have this situation in which the multiple optically looks high, but when you look at it, maybe it's not that high because your earnings in an inflationary scenario, because they are linked to inflation, that's the beauty of equities because they're nominal. Uh, you can actually increase earnings even though so like the economic situation is not improving, whereas bonds will pay you four and no more. Right. So so you, if you think about it like that, I can make the argument that equities versus bond are cheap. I can make that argument if I wanted.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I don't disagree with the logic. I just— I think, uh, but a sad, very don't get me wrong. Setup. Don't get me wrong.
1: I, I I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I can see the, I can see the downside. I can see the downside scenario as well, in which basically consumers get squeezed out. There is no consumer confidence that companies need to absorb some of the costs. They cannot pass it through the consumers. Earnings collapse, and obviously, even. You can do whatever you want with the multiple. If earnings collapse, share prices will go down. Yeah, but but there's that that's kind of like what everybody's saying, and I just want to give you another perspective
0: because we of don't things
1: that could happen.
0: Because no matter how certain we feel, if we have any of the, in my opinion, the humility that should be a prere- prerequisite to do this job, no matter how clear the picture looks we got to constantly remind ourselves that we don't know what the future holds, right? Yeah, exactly. So if I
1: told you what everybody else is telling you, uh, I would be adding no value.
0: Oh, no, and I can... I'm with you. And, and, and you and I both know that if you do this job, for, and I don't even really think it takes a long time, if you do this job for any measure period of time, you're you, you going to find out really quick, like I was referencing earlier, is that very seldom do you get it 100% right. And quite often things will work out different than you think, right? It's just like life itself. Like it, we don't know what tomorrow brings. So hey, I you know what, buddy? And that's why I wanted to have you on. I can't appreciate you enough. I got to run. Uh, can't appreciate enough having you on to get that other perspective. And you know, and 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 to back up what you're saying, it's one of the reasons that we're not just short right now, right? It's one of the reasons that we still do hold good quality companies because I, I think another mistake is to see uh to, you know to be up against some tough winds which i think we are clearly now and to throw the baby out with the bathwater that 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 has never proven to be a, a, a very good uh, decision either so yep. anyway well hey we got to run i know you got to go too um but thanks again for coming on marcos and for those of you that want to follow uh marcos which i'd highly recommend he's got a great twitter feed puts a lot of good stuff out there you can follow him at, at @markgutman9 uh, Gutman was a surname. Don't don't dig into that. It's it's his name is Marcos Bueno, but that's the that's the Twitter handle Mark Gutman nine, and um and I'm going to have you on here in the not too distant future because as today I felt like we'd have gone for another hour, and as today uh, uh, showed us, I, I don't think there's going to be any shortage of topics or things to cover in the coming months. So um, <laughs> looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Great to have you with you, with us, pal. And, 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 and Thanks even, to you, Zach. Even, even better to have you on the team to, to help my sanity and help me navigate times like this. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you, Zach. Talk you bet. You Thank you, guys. All right, guys, we got to run due to time constraints, cutting things off right there. But we'll be back next week, as always. You won't want to miss it. Got another good interview on deck. I don't know if it will be as good as Marcos. It's a tough one to top. But we do have another one coming up. So look for us next week. And uh, in the meantime, have a great week. Manage that risk. And we'll see you again soon. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com.